Hi folks, be sure to visit my website at dr-history.com for a short personal video message, to listen to the latest stories, and to leave a comment. Right now, my goodness sakes, look who's here. It is the one, the only... Some of us are happy about that. Dr. History. Good morning, Zeb. How are you, buddy? Doing great. Been yeah. watching the national finals a little bit. We've got a few Idaho boys uh, competing there this year. You know, I was talking earlier about the money. It has really increased since I was a part of the finals back in the 80s and 90s. I am amazed at what some of those guys take home in Big, here. big money. And then right down the street at the South Point, they're having the World Series team roping finals. And I said last hour that last year, just to give you a, a little example of how much money these guys are running for, last year the number 10 roping, you know, now team roping is on a number system, and you compete within the people of your same number designation. Last year the winning team last year in the number 10 down in Las Vegas walked out with $348,000. That could buy a few saddles. And a few pads. <laughs> yes. And maybe a few more horses. <laughs> of and course. maybe a truck and trailer. And they'll just keep buying horses till it's gone. <laughs> All right. What are we going to talk about this Well, morning? you know, uh, across the Old West, town sprang up uh, because of traffic. Now, yeah. whether it was railroad town, a the Oregon Trail towns, uh, the cattle driving towns. So we're going to talk about a little of that, one of them being Dodge City. So, really? Old Dodge City. Yeah. Matt Dillon, Kitty, Doc, oh, yeah, the whole those. nine yards. You betcha. Okay. So, you know, on the western edges of the shifting trail towns, the camps of the white buffalo hunters yep. were becoming more and more numerous. Small trading centers established for the hunters soon were mushrooming into towns. Uh-huh. Now, for centuries, the buffalo had served as a source of food, clothing, and shelter, of course, for the Indians. And when the whites first pushed westward, and for many years afterward, they considered the buffalo just kind of a, a nuisance. Yeah. And they didn't really care for the buffalo. Yeah. Well, finally, when the fur trappers had practically exterminated the beaver and the other animals, they turned to the buffalo for skins. Yeah. So, now, one of the great buffalo hunters was... William F. Cody, Buffalo Buffalo Bill. Bill. That's where he won his legendary name. Well, after the Kansas Pacific Railroad reached a place called Hayes City, the contracting firm needed a good buffalo hunter to supply meat for the railroad laborers. So Cody was recommended by, actually by Wild Bill Hickok. And the contractors offered him $500 a month. Now, that's a lot of money. Back in those days. days, If he could supply enough buffalo meat to feed the hungry men. Well, Buffalo Bill worked for the company for 17 months and, by his own count, killed 4,280 buffalo during that year and a half. Wow. Now, the railroad workers were said to have given Cody the name of, and that stayed with him, which was Buffalo Bill. So that's where it originated, was him uh, killing Buffalo for the railroad. And, you know, really, I hate to sound gruesome on this, but he did the shooting. (laughs) We're going to get... Yeah, I know. You're going to get to the guys that did the dirty work. Oh, yeah. We'll explain a little. Uh, It's close to lunch. Anyway. Yeah. But, you know, actually, some of the famed peace officers of the trail towns also began their careers as Buffalo Hunters, including Wyatt Earp. Pat Garrett, Bat Masterson, those guys started out as buffalo hunters. I didn't know Bat Masterson. Yeah. So anyway, experienced buffalo hunters knew how to fire so as to keep a herd milling, bringing a new target into place after each shot. 
Now, the favorite weapon of the hunters were the Springfield needle guns and the Sharps rifle, which were sometimes used with uh, the sight, with a telescopic sight. And actually, a lot of times they placed it on a tripod, you know, just to keep it steady because their arm probably got tired. Well, what about the recoil when you're shooting that many buffalo every day? (laughs) They had to be tough. They were tougher than me and you. (laughs) But, and then, too, the barrels became so hot from continuous firing, but the needle guns received their name from the long firing pins that plunged through the paper cartridge to strike the primers. Okay, that's why it's called a needle gun. Now, Buffalo Bill used a Springfield, which he called, and he named his gun, he called it Lucretia Borgia. That was the name of his gun? That was the name of his gun. Uh-huh. And he preferred, actually, get this, firing from horseback. Now, that surprises me a bit. I'd like to see him do that on my old horse, Stinger. <laughs> hey, well, I've been deer hunting. The first thing I do is have to get off my horse Smart move. before I shoot. Smart move. Anyway, so he would ride to the head of the herd and turn the leaders until he had the buffalo going around in a circle. Then he shot the animals, which broke off in a straight line. A good hunter could average between 50 and 100 buffalo every day. Every wow. day. Now, when it was discovered that buffalo hides made really good machine belting, demand and prices increased even more. The railroads extending across the plains made possible the uh, economical shipment to the eastern markets, and the cattlemen welcomed and assisted in the obliteration of the buffalo herds, which supported the Indians and also interfered with their cattle. Wow. They they didn't want the buffalo no. you know competing for the for the range. Right. So anyway the railroads had split the buffalo into two great herds. Now in eighteen seventy there were four million buffalo on the south side of the Platte River. Mm. Four million. Four million. Then a half And you know that they counted them. They did. They yeah. had a guy. <laughs> I don't know what his name was. Uh, anyway, okay. So, and then a half a million were on the northern plains. Yeah. So four and a half million between uh, those two places. But between 1871 and 1875, practically all of the southern buffalo were slain. The slaughter not only wiped out the buffalo, it also ended the civilization of the Plains Indians. But, uh, again, it was good for the cattlemen because they, they needed that range. So during the period of the greatest slaughter, a bill was proposed in the Texas legislature to protect the buffalo from the hunters. Now, General Phil Sheridan, who wanted to destroy the buffalo herds in order to subdue the Indians, appeared before the legislature to oppose the bill. He predicted that the passing of the buffalo would have the greatest impact on helping the cattle industry, and his prediction proved true. It did. But before the last of the buffalo had vanished, the cattle herds began moving in to the, you know, millions of acres of great uh, uh, grazing land. You know, you've been up through all that territory. I mean, even now, you know, millions of cattle. Yep. Across there. Anyway, in the early days of the slaughter, the buffalo skinning, and we I told you I'd get to this, oh, goody. was considered just miserable yeah. work. Hot in Kansas. Yeah. But as the wages increased, skinning became more respectable. Uh-huh. They had to pay them a little more to do this very uh, fun job. Yeah. Anyway. So in a hunting party, only one or two men used rifles, the others being skinners. Now get this, Zeb. A skillful skinner could peel, they called it peel, a large buffalo in five minutes. Five, five minutes. minutes. I mean... You know what my question is right now? What? Here you're talking about Kansas and Nebraska and back in that country. It's hot. Yeah. 
What about the quality of the meat by the time it got to the plate? Well, they didn't care about the meat. You know, they just wanted the hides. So oh. they could care. But, yeah, 100 a day. Well, oh. Anyway. Yay. But so what happened and is. And they didn't have access to a shower. They did not. <laughs> You wouldn't want to be a tent mate with one of those guys. So anyway, after a buffalo skin was removed, it was pegged to the ground and left in the sun to dry. So it was pegged out. Okay. Now, this guy named John R. Cook tells of having at one time 2,000 hides stacked up and drying. 890 of them, he said, I had skinned and was credited with. Can you imagine the smell there, (laughs) monkey? Anyway, you know, that's what he said. So on the Santa Fe Trail, five miles west of Fort Dodge, Kansas, a sod house was built in 1871 to serve the buffalo hunters of that area. The place was known as Buffalo City. Now, I don't know if that still exists or not. I don't know. I don't, haven't heard of that. I don't know. Anyway, when the Santa Fe Railroad's construction gangs arrived in 1872, they found beside the old Santa Fe Trail a general store, three dance halls, six saloons, and on all sides were huge piles of buffalo bones. Ugh. Now, I've seen pictures. Yeah. Buffalo bones just yeah. stacked 20, 30, 40 feet high. Yeah. So, anyway, the, the town now bore the name of Dodge City after Fort Dodge. Yeah. And that's what the old-timers called it. The cowboy capital Dodge was also the last and longest-lived of all the Kansas trail towns. Really? Yeah. So, there was a company that was the largest shippers of buffalo hides in Dodge, and they sent out 200,000 hides to eastern markets the first winter that the Santa Fe Railroad reached Dodge City. Now, Dodge was a ready-made trail town. There were two veteran buffalo hunters, a guy by the name of Jones and Plummer, had hauled buffalo hides north from Texas. So after they killed them, they hauled all these hides up north, and their uh, trace was soon converted into a route for cattle herds. So that's actually what started a trail uh, uh, for cattle. These these two guys. Yeah. And this was originally known as the Jones and Plummer Trail, but it soon became the Dog City Trail. Really? And later, they called it the Western Trail. <coughs> now, before its glory was ended, the Great Western Trail ran all the way from Bandera, Texas, through Dodge City to Ogallala, Nebraska, and on across the Sioux Rev- Reservations into the Dakotas to Calgary, Canada. Wow. So that trail went all the way through the whole of the United States, clear up to Canada. A smelly trail. <laughs> it was. So anyway, there's another place. Uh, it's called uh, uh, Fort Griffin. Now, there's a guy named Conrad has had a general merchandise store, sometimes averaged about $2,500 a day in guns and ammunition Ooh. to sell to the buffalo hunters. That's pretty good money back in that those days. That is really good, and I'm wow. sure he made a profit on that. Oh, yeah. So, But anyway, the number of hunters on the ranges this season is estimated at 1,500 hunters. And at Griffin, there was a plat of ground of about four acres covered with buffalo hides spread out to dry, besides a large quantity piled up for shipment. And these hides are worth in this place about a buck to buck sixty each. That's all they That's were all, worth. Yeah. So, so these Skinners and Hunters, you know, what they get for skinning and everything? I, Fifty I don't know. cents a. Like I say, Buffalo Bill got oh, you know all that money for a month's work. Yeah. Or, yeah, for a year and a half. But anyway, the generally accepted idea of the exciting chase in a buffalo hunt, <laughs> well, that's not the plan pursued by the men who made it a regular business. I see. You know, you see on TV and one thing or another, these guys chasing down no. on their horse yeah. and shooting a yeah. buffalo. 
what they did, they like say they used a needle gun with a telescope, right? And they'd buy powder by the keg. They're lead in bulk in the shells, and they'd make their own cartridges back then. But early cattle drivers on the Dog City Trail usually funneled their cattle north through this place called Fort Griffin uh, because it kind of offered them some protection from the Comanches. But uh, and nearby here were the Tonkawa Indians, and they were friendly. And they evidently believed the cattle herds were going to be a replacement for the buffalo killed by the white hunters. And it was said that there were more beeves lost to the friendly Tonkawas to, uh, than to the unfriendly Comanches. Didn't the Tonkawas open up a toy company? <laughs> You're close. Oh. oh, there's a story about them I'm okay. not even going to get into. I think you did one time. <laughs> I will skip that. Yeah. Anyway, you know, few cattle drivers passed Fort Griffin without stopping over at the Beehive Saloon. Oh, yeah. Which had on its front a honeysuckle-bordered sign. And here's what the sign said. I can't wait to hear it. It's kind of a, uh, anyway. Yeah. It says, within this hive, we're all alive. Good whiskey makes us funny. So if you're dry, come up and try the flavor of our honey. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we'll just leave it at that. All right. Now, gambling was the favorite relaxation for drivers and buffalo hunters. Now, and these guys, when they hit town, whew. it was everything's I, I can't imagine. Yeah. And pharaoh was a popular game. And I... I can't remember what that was. I, uh, it's kind of a card game, yeah, or is that the one with I, the... I need to check that out. Yeah. Anyways, during his heyday, Fort Griffin's, Fort Griffin's boasted some remarkable characters, including Doc Holliday and his delightful girlfriend, big-nosed Kate Fisher, which oh, I think yeah. you said you went to school with her. Yeah, her sister. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Doc Holliday was originally a Georgia dentist. We know that. And kind of a thin, haggard-faced guy, kind of rough-looking. He had come west to Texas in hopes of improving his tuberculosis condition. Oh, yeah. And he opened up an office in Dallas and then turned to gambling. Wyatt Earp said that he once saw him bet $10,000 on the turn of one card. Did he win? I don't know. (laughs) I knew you'd ask that. So in Fort Griffin, Doc Holliday teamed up with Big Nose Kate Fisher, who actually, in spite of her name, was a rather attractive, although... They say fiery-tempered girl. Yeah, I heard that. <laughs> I knew her sister. Okay. <laughs> oh, you had to know. One night. Okay, so here we go. One night in January 1878, Holiday actually killed a guy named Ed Bailey in a fight over a poker game. Now, the Fort Griffin Marshal, for a lack of jail, uh, imprisoned the gambler in the hotel room. Now, learning that Bailey's friends were planning a lynching party for Holiday. Big Nose Kate packed their belongings in a bag. She secretly obtained two fast horses, and then she set fire to the rear end of the hotel in which her boyfriend was imprisoned. Really? Her boyfriend was locked up in there? Well, Doc Holliday. Yeah, yeah, but she set fire to it. Yeah, to the back end of it. Oh. Okay. It was a big hotel. I see. Now, as soon as everybody in Fort Griffin ran to fight the flames, Big Nose Kate went into Holiday's room, threw down a pistol on the surprised guard with her six-shooter, disarmed him, gave Holiday the gun, and then hurried him out to the waiting horses. By the time the fire was out, they were a long ways off. They were long gone. They were. Big Nose Kate. Big Nose and Doc. Yeah. Yeah. I thought I had a picture of her somewhere. I'll have to check that out. I think you showed think me one of her yeah. one time. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, with its continual cattle traffic, Fort Griffin became kind of a boom town. And as the buffalo disappeared, a lot of the hunters turned to outlaws. Uh, 
So to combat them, masked vigilantes were organized. Horse thievery was considered the worst of a crime. No, wait a minute. You're telling me that the Buffalo Hunters... Yeah, they didn't actually, have a job anymore. They went to be outlaws. Yeah, well, they didn't have a job anymore. They had to turn to something. You know, oh. Everybody's got to do something, Zeb. Uh-huh. Well, they could have become a chiropractor. <laughs> we'll skip that one, too. Now, as I said, stealing a horse was considered the worst crime. You could do anything. Yeah. You steal a horse. Yeah. You're in trouble. So the vigilantes actually would hang a uh, placard on the dead with their names where they were hung. Now, it got to be that they hung so many guys that instead they labeled the victims horse thief number five, horse thief number six, mm-hmm. and left them kind of sway in the trees for a, a few days yeah, afterwards. Yeah. And that would kind of discourage you a little oh, I bit. I would imagine it would. Yeah, you know. Yeah. But uh, from Fort Griffin, the drovers headed north, striking Red River, a place which came to be known as Don't Crossing. Now, the Bar X Ranch, have you ever heard of that one, Zeb? The Bar I, X? The, not the Bar X, okay. no. Anyway, it was owned by some English investors, and this was near Don't Crossing. Well, one day in 1887, a company owner from England arrived unannounced on the mail stage. He stepped off the stage, and he was dressed to the hilt as a British... Britisher. What can I say? You know, Derby well, Hat. One of those guys that, yeah. you know, he, when he drinks his coffee or tea, the little yeah. finger goes up it, in the it's air. just very, very proper. Yeah. So he walked into Doan's store. He purchased a pair of overalls, a big hat, boots, a red bandana, went into the back room, changed into this cowboy outfit. I see. When he arrived at the Bar X Ranch, he asked for a job as a cowhand and got it. And remember, he's an owner of this ranch, but he's going in as a kind of an undercover oh, boss. Oh, undercover boss. Yes. And he started that TV series. Yes, he did. Now, during the next 10 days, this guy learned why the ranch was earning no profit from his for his colleagues. Couldn't they tell he was a foreigner by the way he talked? <laughs> you know, maybe he had a really good fake I'd say, hey, what is that over there? Is that a steer or a heifer? Yes. So anyway, he get, went back to the store, changed back to his English gentleman's outfit, summoned the manager of the ranch, fired him, and saved the company a considerable fortune. So he turned things around. Really? Now, north from Don's Crossing, the next base on the western trail was a place uh, camp supply it was what it called in indian territory and this was the army center used by custer during his uh, operations against the southern cheyenne we're almost out of time okay and i'm almost out of words okay <laughs> that'd be a first <laughs> so anyway so uh anyway beyond the sioux country there uh there's a guy named james cook in 1876 uh, he was just a young cowboy, and he was in uh, Texas, and uh, he goes on to tell about uh, uh, he was camped one time. Cook and his companions were caught in the backwash of the Custer defeat, so it was after the Little Bighorn. Yeah. Now, a party of Sioux warriors swarmed down on the cowboys and charged their camp, yelling and screaming. They had rifles and pistols, and uh, anyway, they formed a complete circle around Cook and his companions. One old warrior with a badly scarred face dashed up almost, and this is what he says, dashed almost up to my feet where he pulled his horse to a sudden stop. Now, the warrior wanted to know what the cowboys were doing in his country. Well, Cook told him that he and his companions had just driven a herd of cattle to the Indians on the Missouri River. Well, immediately the Indian turned to his war party and explained that the, what the white man was doing. And he said, we started, round, uh, we started in to round up our saddle horses, the cattle band of the Indians helping us, and they left. 
So when the Indians realized they were uh, taking cattle to them, they said, okay, well, we're not going to kill all you guys. <laughs> well, so, nice. So they rounded up the horses. Well, and I bet they sat and had... Everybody just, was happy. Just a little coffee together. Yeah, they and... probably sat down around the campfire, had some hot chocolate. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Little some marshmallows. Yeah. Dr. Pepper, you know. <laughs> I bet it was Dr. Pepper. Anyway, So thank that's you. the story of a few of the towns along... One of the trails. Okay. One of the trails. We ought to do a series on some of the towns on trails here. Yeah. Really? Well, and a lot of people don't realize, but there were a lot of cattle drives that actually went through right here yeah. on the south side of the Snake River. Absolutely. Over into the Owyhee country. Yep. yep. So.